Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello and welcome to the Home Business Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I got Rohan. Good morning, Rohan. Sorry, good evening, Rohan. This is yeah, really, it's, it's a, evening time for me. Sorry, force, <laughs> hey. of, force of habit, change of change of that's right uh, times for me. And welcome, very a very warm welcome back to Paulus. Welcome back. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Paulus. Hey, good. As usual, this episode of the Home Business Podcast is sponsored by Home Business Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local home business and instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the home assistant and the ESP Home projects. Configuration is done via the user interface, so no fiddling with the router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. It's actually weird saying that when Paulus is here. It's like I know. It's, it's being paid for yeah. by Paulus. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I was just thinking, we should maybe update this. Like, I mean, we still mm-hmm. do all those things, right? But I've just memorized it. No, we're not updating it. Like, yeah. I don't need to look at it. <laughs> Like the, the it makes you feel any better, Paulus. I still need to read it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. But we do text to speech and speech to text now, right? Like for your voice assistants. That's true. Uh, yeah, so much more. Yeah. Um, it keeps growing. Yeah, well, I think um, yeah, ESP Home is when we last updated that. Um, and yeah, so much has happened. Yeah. Speaking of which, April 2021 was the last time we had you on the podcast, Paulus. So, oh um, wow, wow, yeah, That's... it's been a minute uh, since we've had you here. I think yeah. we've got a lot to catch up on. Um, so, yeah, what, what have you done? What, what have you been uh, done well, in the last you know, three years? I think, you know, what I think is interesting, the reason I, I don't, you know, why I haven't been on for a while, I think, is because Nabucast is now so big and I am not the main responsible for a certain topic anymore, right? Like yeah. Home Assistant yeah. is with Frank and Madalena, Voice is with Mike, there's Marcel for Matter and Nikita is on Zigbee. And so what do you need me for, right? Like <laughs> it's the, the overarching picture or something, but like it's, you know, I think that's why like it's, we probably missed a, a year or two, um, which, but it's yep. good to be back. I really uh, enjoy uh, be back and uh, yeah, looking forward yeah. to the conversation. Absolutely. No, we love having you here. So, Nabucasa is just 
I don't know, it's everywhere. I think, um, and I guess one of the reasons why you've been so busy is, I don't know if it's yourself, but it seems, or if there's people at Nebuchadnezzar who are doing this now, but Nebuchadnezzar has seemed to be getting, from my perspective, more mainstream now. I think that I've seen articles in The Verge um, referencing, you know, yeah. quoting yourself, you know, like when a company would take out things, right? Now home business is actually uh, become so important that, you know, big uh, journalists are now looking at you and saying, well, What's your thoughts, Polis? Like, I think that's a real credit to how far you've taken that because and like, yeah, and how hard you're working on it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this this has been, I guess, in the last year mainly, right? Where it's like we also have maybe some more conflicts with companies, but there's been whenever things happen, not just only related to home system. Yeah, they ask us, and it's really cool to see us, yeah. you know, are represented in our opinion, and like we have an opinion that is always protecting the user, right? Like we're always yeah. representing the user. We have no yep. skin in the game for making money. We're here to exist to like, you know, help users. And so we, you know, we want, the only thing we want is users to be able to access their own data, right? It's not going to be stored with a company or something. And I guess that's pretty contagious and like uh, not the right mm-hmm. uh, time for companies to think about that. And so, yeah, they, uh, they fight back. We come in the news and then like, yeah. It's going pretty well. Yeah, it, it's cool because you almost act as an advocacy kind of mm. arm, right? I mean, which is which is pretty neat too. And I mean, that's that's one other thing we can add to our our opening intro there too is uh, <laughs> is, is open home advocacy. And and I mean, Paulus, you you've actually got a you've got a newsletter that you uh, that you send out as well um, around this, the, the open home, right? Not specifically yeah. home assistant, but just just open home in general. Yeah, that's right. We. We realized that we were trying to put more and more stuff into the Home Assistant release notes as that was our main communication kind of document. But Home Assistant's release were getting bigger and bigger. So it was like, are we going to announce that this feature has landed in Z-Wave or is this like a new ESP Home release or an interesting WLED release? And so we were like, no, that's a bigger picture, right? Mm -hmm. when When we announced the Open Home Vision, which is about privacy, choice, and sustainability, it was really like home assistant is the brains, but that's not just your smart home, right? You need all those devices and things around it. And yeah. yeah, and with the newsletter, we really try to like touch on all those topics, including like just the industry as a whole, right? When mm-hmm. I know there was this article about Amazon trying to, I think they're trying to get a remarkable Alexa built or something. And they're like failing because it's AI <laughs> and it's lying and Google is <laughs> shutting down features, right? It's like, yeah, that stuff is interesting also for our community yeah. yeah it's good to know it's good to keep a pulse on stuff too right it's uh uh i mean so i mean where, where can people find that if they're if they want to uh so the easiest way is just go to the home assistant website and there's like forums yeah. chat newsletter like these are the three buttons for the community yeah. but you can also just go to open-home.io nice nabucasa in general um how is that going like i feel as though every critical i get to jump in on there's always <laughs> someone new coming in um you seem to be expanding a lot like how's how's nabucasa nabucasa is doing awesome and it's you know how to describe it like we you know we we nabucasa has no investors right it's completely purely bootstrap based on you know on the success of home assistant we were you know I founded Home Assistant. I founded Nabucasa. Home Assistant is 10 years old or 10 and a half. Nabucasa is five and a half years old. And we started Nabucasa initially. Pascal was the first employee. Then later I joined and like 
So more people joined and we kind of kept growing and growing. And I said, Home Assistant kept growing. And, you know, you don't have to pay to use Home Assistant, right? So Namukasa is really an add-on feature set, but people like it. People either like it because they want to support the project. They like it because of um, they don't want to fill with router settings, as you guys always open up. <laughs> um, or That's they right. just, you know, they like to use Google or Amazon without doing any effort, right? And yeah, it's been going great. I think right now we're 31 people working full-time on Home Assistant. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. No, and it's, um, we're, we're hiring um, like eight or nine this year. So mm-hmm. we basically, we, you know, we set a budget, we expect growth. And so we were expecting, uh, yeah, to grow again this year. And there's been actually kind of a shift last year where we, we used to only hire people that were working actively on home assistant. So right. we always ended up hiring software engineers, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's yeah. you know, the people that work on home assistant because the way open source is set up actually is to be around programming, right? Like if you're not a programmer, if you're into UX research or product management or these kind of marketing, yeah. these kind of like things that kind of sit around a, uh, or, you know, not ar- sit around the code and not in the code, then there's no place for you to really discuss things because discussion is around like, I want to change this code. I want to add this feature. And so we started actually adding some people to Home Assistant uh, or to Nabucasa that work on Home Assistant. So we now have a product and design department. We have, uh, that includes like a product manager. We have a UX uh, designer. Um, we have a UX researcher that we're hiring right now. Uh, Missy just joined us last Monday. She's a community manager. We have Guy who's mm-hmm. working on communication. And so we're really expanding and like, well, professionalizing in a way, I guess, right? Yeah. So really, um, and I think it's also, it's necessary. Like we do a lot of stuff um, and it's good to, for example, be able to communicate that. Like communication was always the last thing that sometimes fell behind. And now we're really making sure that the things we do are actually brought into the world. But we also, for example, like, hey, if we're going to have three engineers work on a feature for three months, right, it better be the right feature. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not like, hey, we want to build something that people don't like. But the downside of all of this is that we're putting more thought in things. So things also move a little bit slower. I don't think people have noticed it yet because we are still like full steam ahead. Um, But, you know, internally, I, I kind of feel it sometimes. But I think that... Um, the the things that we're gonna ship and the things that are gonna be shipping in the next few months, I cannot I cannot reveal my hand just yet because I don't know the dates. <laughs> but they're gonna be really really cool. I think people are gonna really 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 like it. Um, so, but that's a result of like us thinking bigger and us hiring people to think bigger. How do you go about? dealing with community submissions as well as now your internal projects like how do you align the two like because home is obviously being an open source project um and now nabucasa working on things in the open but you know with your own dedicated teams have you had any struggles trying to align those two worlds i guess now i think the we, we generally, I mean, we're not refusing any contributions if they don't fit our plan, right? Like, for example, last year we did Year of the Voice, but we also worked on a bunch of like tile card, dashboard updates, automation updates. Yeah. We don't we don't reject contributions. We try to always try to 
keep track of all the open contributions and make sure they're under a certain level. Like I think on core right now, there's like 500 open contributions. We work hard on like merging these, like every other Friday, for example, is just dedicated like, hey, this is review day. We're just going to get on right. it. And on other days, we also expect the core, people work on core to spend like a couple of hours a day on like reviewing things. But <laughs> it's just... You know, there's just so much happening and the faster we review, the more people are contributing back. So for example, yeah, yeah, yeah. last release has been our biggest release ever. We had 1500 commits, like 1500 co contributions. Wow. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. That's so many, like, and some are small, sure. Right. But some are big and like every contribution takes time. It's not like we see some code and we're like, oh, this person we like, we're just going to merge it. No, we're going to look at the code and make sure that it works. And yeah. yeah. It, it takes a lot of time, but we, I feel that we on core, we're kind of struggling because we get too many contributions on front end. We're really on top of right. things. We also have some great contributors there that are like, it's more in balance between the people that are reviewing and then contributing. I think core, there's just, there's just too many people that are yeah. contributing, which is a good to, problem to have. Don't get me wrong. That's a good but problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're a little bit underwater. But we're actually, we're going to open a job opening, two job openings uh, for core. Um, and so probably are out by the time this podcast goes out mm -hmm. to hire a senior and a junior slash medium developer to uh, to join our team to uh, to also help with. I mean, we, we, just, we write the, the job descriptions in a way of like, hey, it's it's a lot of reviewing, right? Like this is not yeah, a programming yeah. job first. This is like a manage the home assistant project first, which can include programming from time to time. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, right. And just on uh, jobs, where can people find all the job openings if they're interested in working for Nabucasa? So on nabucasa.com, we have a link in the menu called jobs and it goes, we're currently using the remote job platform. So remote.com mm -hmm. is uh, also the company we use to like hire people across the world. They basically mm -hmm. are a employee of record service, which that Nabucasa doesn't have to be registered in every country where you can hire anywhere in the world uh, without nice. any restrictions. Uh, nice. But they also have a job board now. So we've been using their job board. Very sweet. Yeah, That's I perfect. like it. Yeah, I guess uh, that makes you borderless. You can hire the best talent and best users yeah. around the world, right? Like not have to. Well, around the world is that... <laughs> We, um, we trying to now limit the time zones a bit because initially we were like, we're remote, we can work anywhere and this is great. But yep. what we realized is that work-life balance is also important. So if right. you hire somebody in California, which is like nine hours time difference from Europe, then all of a sudden either of them, you know, there's like a band of one hour, one and a half hours where both are during work hours. Otherwise yeah. it's going to be in the evening or before work hours, which is like crazy early in the morning and so we realized that for work-life balance we are kind of restricted to the places where we've hired and which has been mainly in uh, europe and america so we are hiring in those time zones generally now makes sense yeah it's harder to coordinate all these even like meetings whatever whatever yeah. you guys have right so yeah now i mean shifting topics a little bit i mean still talking about nabucasa you guys have been doing a lot of work with different alliances and stuff like that, right? So um, the CSA, uh, you just announced, I just saw it come in, I think this morning, maybe, uh, maybe it was yesterday, uh, Z-Wave as well. Yeah. 
Uh, what what's that work looking like? What what are I'd love to know what some of your learnings are and some of your findings of working with these alliances. I know I know Z Wave is literally like brand new, but uh, what what's so, all that like? I think for us the alliance initially we joined the CSA alliance. So there's two alliances that we're a member of: the CSA alliance and the Z Wave alliance. The CSA, the Connectivity Standards Alliance. It used to be called the Zigbee Alliance, but then they also started working on Matter, the other smart home standard, the, the new and fancy one. Um, yeah. And so they rebranded re themselves, they launched Matter. And what is important for us, the reason why we joined initially is that Matter had an open source reference design, which is being developed in the open. But if you want to get the ins, talk to the developers and these, you know, the people working on it, you have to be on their Slack. Right. Like that's just where the communication happens. And so we initially joined the CSA Alliance really just to get to talk to people. It's like, hey, we want to be there and we get the yeah. minutes. We can be part of their stand-ups if we want. I don't think we really join because we're not that involved in the day-to-day -day building of it. That's really Google and Apple who are pushing that. But we incorporate it. And if we get stuck, we can just ping somebody, right? And then... For example, yeah. somebody at Google will just sit down with us and explain that change or help us like get things fixed, which is really, really cool. And has been really, really helpful for us. It also means that if we are, you know, we've had some struggles with threat mainly, which is yeah. like one of the two uh, transports, right? You can either send metadata over Wi-Fi or over threat. We had some issues with threat and then we can actually talk directly to the people who are implementing threat at different yeah. operating systems, That's right? Cool. And that is just super helpful and now with z-wave that's also a similar thing right like we had already a partnership with silicon labs which is the company behind z-wave which they are opening it up but even as a partnership like it's different than talking to people who are actually just building it who are again on the slack right. of the z-wave alliance and so for us that is like our current the the, the direct benefit i would say for the home system project is that we can talk to people that work on these standards. Yeah. Longer term, we want to make sure that the way device types are implemented are according to things that make sense for us. I think, you know, also the direction the standards go. So for example, what's for example important for us in Matter is that, you know, Matter requires, of course, controllers to, uh, the devices need to be certified. But we yeah. also want to make sure that uncertified devices can continue to be used. Like, sure, you get a warning or something, but we want people to be able to create their own stuff, right? And just share it with the community and do these things. And if everything gets yeah. blocked, that would just you know ruin smart home for a lot of people. And so this is something that we're trying to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, I think it also there's also the other part where it kind of lowers the barrier for not just DIYers, but it's also folks that say like I'll use Lewis as a perfect example who he's built a product, he's he DIY'd a product, and he's like, hey, this is something people would like and and wants to sell it and do all those kind of things, right? So yeah, I think I think it's not just a DIY like hey, I want to do this myself, but it also opens access for people like myself or you or Phil or whoever to go and hey, there's this one niche kind of specific device and it does this cool thing. Let me go grab that, right? Rather than just yeah. relying on the big vendors to do that. Uh, yeah, no, which is, definitely. I think is a nicer aspect yeah. there. I think for the Z-Wave Alliance, we also have kind of a unique take in that for Matter, there's an open source reference implementation. Mm -hmm. So everyone 
you know, Apple, Google, Home Assistant, Samsung, we all use the mm. same code, which is pretty good, right? Because that means that yeah. even though we're not, you know, without certification, we're already running the same bug for bug compatible implementation, basically. With yeah. Z-Wave, there is no such thing. There's only an open source reference implementation. There's no, well, there's an open source implementation. It's not the reference implementation, right? It's Z-Wave right. TS, it was created, by, it is created and maintained by Dominic Griesel. He works for Nabucasa full-time, right? He works on ZWFTS. He doesn't work on anything else, just full-time ZWFTS. And we want more companies to adopt it. So there's already one uh, old-time ZWave company that has been like around for 20 years or something, like from the very beginning of ZWave, Homeseer, and they're actually yeah. throwing away their ZWave stack and they're adopting ZWFTS. Cool. I couldn't believe when I saw that, like Homeseer is like, yeah, they are... Uh, way yeah. like way older than Home Assistant, yeah. and they were like the go-to standard. Mm-hmm. Like if you had any issues with a, a Z-Wave or a Z-Wave product, you would go and use Homeseer to update the firmware and make sure that was like the the benchmark, right? It works at Homeseer. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and now you know we had a call with their founder at some point also, and yeah, they they just want to use it because they realize that their stack was getting older, and there's this new fancy stack fully tested and. You know, they they have all these old C-Wave devices, so they can bring a lot of QA to C-Wave.js as well, make sure it works with nice. We have all the quirks and this kind of stuff. And yeah, getting C-Wave.js certified, getting more companies on board, getting more resources, right? Getting, like making it just, this just, we shouldn't have to compete to who can best control a light bulb. That's basically the idea. <laughs> right? like it's, like it's, it. it's really yeah. like, Let's build stuff on top and let's compete on who can have the best, I don't know, history or automations or dashboards yeah. or these kind of things that matter. Not like who can send the turn on signal <laughs> to a light. Like that's just dumb, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, you, you've also talked about people having the freedom of choice, right? In terms of like, you know, home assistant obviously is is the choice you use and, and you prefer, but that maybe tomorrow I'm, I want to say, hey, you know what? I want to move from... Home Assistant to another platform, whatever that is, right? Homes here, whatever else. But having people use that same kind of base platform also allows a little bit of portability there, right? So yeah. for me as a yet end user, if I ever want to say, hey, I want to move from platform A to platform B, whatever that is, it, it makes it a lot, that much easier, right? So yeah. Well, and Matter actually has this built in, right? Matter, every device yeah. in the Matter ecosystem can be paired to up to five smart home controllers. Yeah, yeah, which is nice. So you just pair, pair, yeah. pair, unpair, 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 yeah, and do whatever with the old. We, we just we just added support in Home Assistant to share from Home Assistant, for example, to Apple or Google. So inside Home Assistant, you get a QR right. code, you scan it with your iPhone, and then Apple Home uh, opens and hey, I want to add this device. It just works. It's it's really cool. That's so to cool. See yeah, the nice. standard work across all these platforms. Yeah. How does how do you go? And I think you alluded to this a little bit before, but. How does Home Assistant Nabucasa being an open source project and, and company, have you had any culture issues or do you foresee any issues going to something like Silicon Labs where it's Z-Wave, you know, being typically, you know, controlled, you know, this is the standard, you have to stick to the standard and become certified to use our protocol. Do you think there's going to be any ideological issues there going forward? I don't see any ideological issues. I think the, our biggest issue when we work with big companies like Scilabs was to convince them of our impact because we write software that includes drivers, mm-hmm. but those drivers to talk to ZigBee sticks, Z-Wave sticks, Thread sticks, 
they, these are not our thread sticks, right? It's, they are not right. our Z-Wave sticks. They are our, well, Zigbee and Thread, like the SkyConnect we sell, of course, but we talk to a lot of other sticks as well. And Zigbee to MQTT is a lot more successful because people use it with Home Assistant, which also talks to uh, Zigbee sticks, right? And so what we had to convince Silicon Labs of is like, we are a positive force for selling and like increasing the ecosystem. And since they have a huge percentage of the Zigbee market and Z-Wave market, it increases their sales, even though we are not the ones that are selling products with Silicon Labs chips on a big scale. I mean, we use Silicon Labs chips in our SkyConnect and our yellow, but if somebody buys 10 more light bulbs because Home Assistant works so well with Zigbee or Z-Wave, then that's again, might be five chips also for Silicon Labs, right? Yeah. And that finally clicked with them. And that's why they've now been giving us support. So when we talk to their chips and we detect firmware in the drivers, we now get uh, faster support. So they're they are trying to, uh, you know, ah, God, I forgot the word. Just cut out this. How do you replay a bug? How do you uh, reproduce? Sorry. Reproduce. Reproduce, Yeah. Yes. So they're trying to reproduce the bugs now within a week and they are like going back and forth and it used to be that we take months before we get a response. So now this is really helpful and it just makes our ecosystem better. They are finding bugs. So they are also, of course, able to provide a better service to their other customers. And, you know, the home assistant community is awesome. I think, you know, we are in this community, so maybe we don't realize it's special, but we have people that are already have 50 meta devices, right? We have the, the homeless community yeah. users have the most complicated networks. They might have the oldest devices, the newest devices, every variation of like complexity is somewhere in the homeless ecosystem. And people love reporting bugs, giving logs and return, yeah. you know, which is so different from a normal, like if you, if a non-technical person buys a light bulb and it doesn't work, they just return it. Right, we yeah, get yeah. a lot saying this this light bulb is supposed to work. Why doesn't it work? And then we fix it, right? And that's yeah. something that's really why our community gets embraced by these hardware vendors a lot because yeah, we make sure their stuff is as stable as possible. Well, the other again, the other side of it too is like you guys make it easy for some taking. Like I, I actually filed my first bug the other day. Um, and it, it was honestly like, well, it's been I'm, like I'm what, six through, years. <laughs> I know, I know, right? I know it's, it's so funny. It's uh, usually I'll, 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 the thing is, by the time I, I go to go file it, somebody's already done it. Like I'll have it okay. all written out. So I've never, I've done, I've done it a few times, but I've never actually pressed submit um, until until a couple of weeks ago. But uh, again, the process of doing that is is super easy, and and I think that's the other thing, right? Like usually when you have to deal with somebody, it's like. Like like even like a commercial company that that you know you you might have a solution from whatever and it's like okay I I want to call them and say hey you know I'm having an issue with your bug it's also I mean there, there's some level of okay let's make sure you, you know it's not it's not a user error that you're not doing something wrong whatever uh, but then beyond that it's like yeah okay we don't know we'll get back to you and then it's just a black hole right and then you don't hear from them for probably ever depending on the, or depending on the company <laughs> yeah. until you call back and follow up right so whereas here it's it's in github it's it's there it's logged the bot automatically assigns it to somebody to whoever owns that code and then it says hey you know go look at this and blah 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 and they're there and doing whatever right so yeah. it's it's a nicer there, there's some accountability there but there's also some uh some uh 
it, it, it's easy to use. It's easy to yeah. do, right? And we, we see actually, you know, we've made it very easy to gather all the log files, diagnostics, and these kind yeah. of things over the years because we want to be helpful and f- help with those bug reports. And when I go to CES, when we go to alliance meetings and I talk to a lot of manufacturers, they're actually using Home Assistant to test and develop their software, right? They are using Home yeah. Assistant with CFDS to build C-Wave devices. They are using the Zigbee integration to test their Zigbee devices because yeah. they know when it goes wrong, they see exactly why, right? And they can also, yeah. we sometimes get bug fixes in Home Assistant or support for new device types with Matter, right? Because it's, that one is expanding yeah. a bit faster than the others. They're like, yeah, we want to test with our device, but Home Assistant doesn't support air quality yet. Here's air quality and let's let's build it. Let's use it. Right. Yeah, that, that, is, that is really neat. Don't settle when it comes to your pup's health. Make the switch to gently cooked food made with real ingredients and backed by science. That's Nom Nom. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. Nom Nom's made with real, wholesome ingredients you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real, good food for dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are designed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists, freshly made and shipped free to your door. Nom Nom's already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. A friend of mine has a dog and can't wait for their first shipment from Nom Nom. He started with their sampler pack so he could really test out what his dog likes and we'll share his feedback in an upcoming episode. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash homeassistant. Spelled try nom.com slash homeassistant for 50% off. Trynom.com slash homeassistant. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. I mean, I want to touch on something else you talked about. Uh, again, slight change of topic there, but uh, CES. Um, yeah. You went for the first time. Um, yes. Let's start with what were your thoughts? So... I haven't seen anything of CES. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I went, this was my first CES ever. Yeah. We normally, I didn't go because I was like, what, what, what do I need about these new products? So I don't really care if the company is open, we'll implement them, but we're not going to chase them. But this right. year I was like, I should go. 
And what I actually realized this year was, oh, every company's executives are here. And so this is great right. for meeting about with partners and these kind of, you know, yep. that, that level of conversations. So I met with a lot of Z-Wave people, for example. I've yeah. been talking about Z-Wave Long Range, which is a new type of Z-Wave that they have launched um, with the 700 series. It hasn't gained much adoption. We recently added support in Z-Wave GS. It's coming to Home Assistant. It allows for a long, further uh, distant coverage of Z-Wave, but it's a star network and not a mesh network. So right. if it actually doesn't reach the range that it is promising, then it doesn't uh, work because there's no mesh, right? And yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I was talking to Z-Wave people, like, how am I going to explain this to my users? Have you given any thought about how I'm going to explain to users that this now they have two types of Z-Wave active on their networks, and they don't yeah. work together. And, you know, then I realized that there's, they haven't thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, fair enough. Um, no, but I, I, we were talking about like hardware stuff. I was, you know, I had a meeting with Silicon Labs with like the yeah. pretty high up in the food chain, which, you know, we got some results, which I cannot talk about yet, but, we'll, but there's something cool coming uh, from that angle. Um, nice. But yeah, I've, the... CS itself, I haven't seen a transparent TV. I haven't seen cars that drove sideways. Like I saw all that <laughs> stuff on the verge, right? I, yeah, I was, the, the CS is also, I mean, it's in Vegas. Vegas is huge. Like yeah. there's all these different casinos with their own expo centers and all the smart home stuff is in uh, the Venetian. And so I haven't left yeah. the Venetian at all. That's the only place I've been. I haven't been to the Las Vegas expo center where all the fancy stuff was happening, all that yeah. stuff, right? So that's cool. Yeah. Phil, Phil and I have talked about it before. Like, should we go whatever that kind of thing, but who knows? Maybe it's, maybe. you know, it's a really fun experience if you're not there for business, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's funny. I think, I think I've probably been to Vegas 12, 13 times now. Not one of it's been for a personal trip. <laughs> so it's, it's always, uh, it's always one of yeah. those things where it's like, okay, I'm here. I'm here for work. Right. So it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> But gotta be on your best behavior. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, no, that is cool. So we've got. Uh, so last year we had the year of the voice. Yes. Um, and I want to. I'm just interested. How do you think like uh, that went as you know your focus for the year or something that you were really passionate about for the year? You know, you gave us updates throughout the whole year. Do you think that was a benefit for? the project and for Nebuchadnezzar? Is it something that you would do in the future? So defining it as the year of the voice was kind of a double-edged sword for us. Mm -hmm. On one end, it really helped us this focus, right? Like this was the first yeah. time we really made this explicit goal. We want people to be able to control home assistant in their own language. We've reached that goal, but it's not a product yet that you would like swap out, like, you know, other voice assistants in your house yet. But I think that was never the goal. We will always see the way we build that we build the foundation, we build a community around it and we kind of iterate on that. And the way that has uh, been worked, how that played out was amazing. Like the things we've built, the, uh, open wake word, the way we did wake word, you build your own wake words running inside home assistant. We didn't know that that person, we haven't met David before, like Year of the Voice. Like he got interested in this because of our year in the voice, Year of the mm -hmm. Voice. He started building it, contributing it, and voila, we have WakeWord. Um, right. But the other uh, side of the story is, is that 
we did a lot of on voice and we did a lot of presentations about voice. So when people think back about 2023, they think we only did voice, but actually we only have one person working full-time on voice. And of course he's working with a community and he has support from like some other people, but we actually did a lot of stuff. Like we expanded the tile cards. There's a lot of more info dialogue design. We had a big automation overhaul, like the first parts of drag and drop landed in the automation editor, like all these things people have forgotten. They're just like, oh yeah, last year was only voice and I don't use voice. So last year yeah. was a waste. So it's like, no, like we did so many cool things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so that, so I think this year, for example, we have uh, said we're not doing a year off, but we did like the live streams. So we've been doing a lot more live streams. Uh, we yeah. had a meta live stream. We had a voice contest live stream. We're actually doing a, uh, a voice contest where people can build their own voice assistants. And, you know, we have some prizes, Home Assistant Green, Sky Connects for the winners. We have different categories, making a voice assistant, making a voice assistant tutorial, group activities. So really like a broad spectrum so that everybody can participate, which I think is really cool. And it's just kind of like, hey, let's build on top of what we have done in the last year. But yeah, we had a meta live stream. Um, there's going to be another voice live stream actually on Wednesday, um, but yeah. I think by the time th this is coming out on Wednesday, so this is, yeah, I can give you guys out. a sneak peek. Um, over the winter break, um, we got approached by uh, a guy named Kevin, and he's a mathematics professor here in uh, New York, and he was in a, he's on the semester system, so he was in between semesters, so he had a couple of weeks off, and he was like, you know this open wake word, can we run this on device, on the ESP? And he managed to crack the code. Like he managed Ooh, to get it going. That's sweet. Yeah. So it's a slightly different, it's a different model, but it uses the same training pipeline as we had created for Open Wakeboard, which again yeah. was built on top of Piper, the text-to-speech that we developed. So, you know, it's iterative of our work. But yeah, we have local Wakeboard. So it doesn't no longer streams audio to Home Assistant that does the processing. All the voice processing will done on the will be done on the ESP32 S3 box. And yeah, and the models work really well. They work a lot faster as well because there's no, you know, it's yeah. not homeless isn't doing the work. It's done local and yeah, it doesn't have to yeah. go back and come back. Yeah, and yeah. So we're having two two wake words at launch. They're not as easy to create yourself. So right now they require some manual tuning. So we're right. gonna have Hey Jarvis and Okay Nabu at launch. And oh, those wow. they, they work really well. So yeah. people have been testing. Like somebody just wrote today is like. I had the fan on, my wife was watching TV and I could still just say, Hey, Hey Jarvis. And it picked it up every time. Like, so yeah, that's cool. It's, it's going to be pretty sweet. All right. So nice. if I want to get into that as a non, I don't want to touch a soldering iron or what's my best yeah. bet. What's the best device I can get. So right now get the ESP32 S3 box three. Nice. So that's a box that you buy it, you plug it into your computer, you go to, we have a tutorial on Home Assistant. So if you go to Home Assistant, God, I'm just gonna open it right now because I've got <laughs> Click on documentation, of course. Yeah. <laughs> click on documentation, click on voice assistant. And then there's a ESP32 S3 box voice assistant uh, tutorial. It has all the steps in it. And to be honest, the step is really, you plug the box into your computer, you click the install button and it installs it from your browser, the firmware on it. It will 
guide you through connecting it to uh, the Wi-Fi network. It will then guide you into adding it to Home Assistant, and that's it. Because that's all you need, right? Like, yeah. Then you have a device with Wake Word. Of course, you need text-to-speech and speech-to-text, which either you can uh, be subscribed to Home Assistant Cloud, you get the fastest option, or you can use uh, Whisper and Piper, which are our local options right. for speech-to-text, text-to-speech. But on a Raspberry Pi 4, um, you will be able to, it'll take like eight seconds probably to yeah. do like the text recognition, which it's just too long, right? When you say something waiting mm-hmm. eight seconds, there is yeah. some work being done there to speed that up. Actually, David from Open Wakeword had just did some experimentation and we might be able to get it faster. He had realized that Whisper was trained on 30 second samples. So some of the work that was being done was just kind of looking at the rest of the audio. But if you set most of voice commands are like a two, three seconds, right? So yeah. by reducing the size it was looking, he could speed it up. So there's some, uh, hopefully some improvements we can launch. Uh, I don't know. That will be in the next few months probably. But there, right. there's definitely improvements coming just to run it faster on a Raspberry Pi, which at the beginning of Year of the Voice, that was not even thinkable, right? Like It wasn't an option. I remember, no. I remember talking about yeah. this with you guys. And it's like, yeah. and I think it was when we had Mike on, Mike was like, it's not, not going to happen, yeah. right? Like it's uh... <laughs> exactly, and I think this is this is what I really like about the way we work, right? We work in the open. We put out. I don't know if you remember last year January where we came out with Chapter One from Year of the Voice, and we only did intent recognition, right? Yeah. And we relied on Apple and Android to do the speech to text on the you know, the, the with the right. keyboard yeah. on the on the Apple and stuff, and. It, it it worked, but it wasn't convenient, right? But that was just that yeah. just got the ball rolling, right? Like that already got people playing with it, and then we got some speech to text going, text to speech going, and yeah, and now we're here, and now we're gonna have local wake word, and we're gonna expand the sentences. We just updated to improve the error messaging, which is gonna be really helpful. And yeah, I think by the end of the year, we should be able to just have a device that is good enough to replace like anything in your house. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you sold me at Hey Jarvis, to be honest. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, there's there's a lot of people doing some cool stuff too, right? There's like the uh, Anju Voice uh, project that's basically taken that and it's a drop and replacement for the, the what is it, the Google Home uh, the mini speaker. Yeah. The mini, yeah, speaker, right? Your PCB replacement there. It's like there, there's a lot of cool stuff that's that, that this is kind of spurred, right? Which I yeah. think is really cool. So. And um, Paulus, you mentioned before the Raspberry Pi and, you know, we're getting to that. Are there any plans to support the Raspberry Pi 5? Yes. So um, there are. We, um, you know, when the Raspberry Pi 5 got announced, we were kind of surprised because we didn't know. But then we yep. told, we pinged Raspberry Pi 5. They, they announced only that they were going to sell them, right? They didn't start selling them. So we pinged Raspberry Pi 5 and we're like, hey, what's going on? We're one of your <laughs> biggest operating systems that run on a Raspberry Pi. And they were like, oh, yeah, sorry, missed that. So they sent us like some samples early on uh, before other people got it. And we've been playing with it. We've been working on it. Right now, we just released our operating system 11.5 two weeks ago last week, something like this. Yeah. Um, by the time it comes out, it's definitely two weeks. And that one has a preview version for the Raspberry Pi 5. We are working on the operating system 12, which should land this month or next month. And that will have a stable release for Raspberry Pi 5. 
Very nice. Nice. Yeah. And so what is really cool, I think, about the Raspberry Pi 5 is that they have this new coprocessor, right? So they have the, the normal chip and then this coprocessor, which has support for PCIe Express. So you can get right. a, you know, the way Raspberry Pi 4 works is that you put these hats on top, right? You can, these yeah. hats, they have these pins and they connect and it allows now anyone to put an SSD hard drive connected to a normal Raspberry Pi 5, which is really good for Home Assistant because Previously, people would want to, you know, they, they start with a Raspberry Pi 5, they add like a Sky Connect for radio connectivity. At some point, they feel they need more hard drive or they feel they don't trust the SD card anymore and they want to use like a data disk feature in Home Assistant. But with the Raspberry Pi 4, the only option was to use an external hard drive. But now you have two boxes next to each other with a cable and it just it becomes a mess, right? So yeah. with the Raspberry Pi 5, they'll be nicely and you know put in a box and i think that's that will be good for our, you know the aesthetics of home assistant absolutely get a nice 3d printed box for it or a case yeah and... yeah for sure yeah yeah it'll look nice i'd love to know um some of the stuff like i mean we talked about like you're the voice and all of that stuff you know the 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 current new hotness is ai obviously every everybody yeah. everything the amount of conversations in literally like 3 hours that i have where if somebody drops the word AI 17 times, it's <laughs> it's clearly on top of a lot of people's yeah. minds, right? You look at the stock market, that's selling you <laughs> that too, whatever. What are your thoughts? Where where Do you have any plans? Where are you guys going with this? I think, so when it comes to AI, there's already some, the, the community is experimenting, right? And I think Home Assistant is the only platform for your smart home where people can experiment with AI. If you look at Google, Apple, Amazon, mm -hmm. Samsung, these are closed down ecosystems. How are you going to AI with it, right? And you have to wait for them to launch their AI features, but then you're not paying for them, those platforms. So are they going to offer you like all these free AI features? I don't think so. So yeah. what we see in Home Assistant is that people can just plug in like OpenAI, ChatGPT with their own API token. And then sure, you pay for what you use, but you have it under control. You can see what you're doing. So I think that we are set up better um, as a platform. We do want to expand that, uh, how well we are set up. So right now, just as a platform, we're easier to access, but we actually want to make it easier to run large language models inside Home Assistant um, with Home Assistant data, integrate into Home Assistant features. There's a really cool custom uh, component. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's called Extended OpenAI Conversation. So they've yeah. taken the OpenAI Conversation from Home Assistant, but they've added Home Assistant API access to it. So it means that ChatGPT4 can actually query your area, see which devices you have, and you can start chaining commands, you can say, oh, it's a little bit cold here and please tell me a joke and it will increase your thermostat and tell you a joke, right? Like it's yeah. just, it just works. And it, yeah. it, it's fascinating, but on the other hand, it's also very slow. So, yeah. you know, we just talked about how Whisper takes eight seconds and that that's actually unacceptable. Well, a large language model can be even slower, right? Especially with large uh, responses yeah. being generated. And that's just not very useful. So where I think AI can really shine for Home Assistant is more agents that are running. So you give yep. an AI a certain task and have it hook into Home Assistant one way or the other. And so that's something that we're looking into. So we haven't written a line of code yet, but it's something that 
yeah, how would that work? And I think that the the thing here that is very interesting to see is that if you we 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 generally work with the Google model and with the uh, you know the Gemini nowadays it's called and uh, mm-hmm. OpenAI ChatGPT, but those are metered connections. And what you actually want when you're doing AI is that you shouldn't have to think about how much it costs to run this one query. You just want to run yeah. queries all the time and all the time. So maybe the future will be local, doing local AI stuff. So it is, this is still so, like very much in the explorative phase, but it's yeah. definitely coming. Um, I wouldn't say year of the AI just because AI is really cool and I definitely want to make sure that we are a great platform for people to play with it. I also realize that AI is not for everyone because it just costs yeah. serious money, right? Like if you run yeah. it at home, you need like at least a thousand dollars invested in like video cards, right? Which yeah. you can use only for large language models, which if you're a nerd, you're a hobbyist, you want to play with this stuff, you can consider it. But if you just want to, you know, automate your yeah. house and then be on, go on with your life, you, this is not an option yet. Yeah. So we definitely, we're working on a lot of bunch of other stuff too, besides AI. That's why like, this is like one of the things, but yeah, there's going to be some AI stuff. I just don't have, besides API access for large language models, which is definitely going to land in Home Assistant. I don't have anything to share yet. No, oh, that's fair. It's, but, but you guys are thinking about it and, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, it's not put off to the side and be like, no, no, we don't want to, we don't want to deal no, with No, no, no. And it's, you know, we, I had yeah. a call with NVIDIA, for example, and they had some people that, this is, by the way, this is super funny. It's just in every company, in every field, and everything that we touch, they're just home assistant users, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, I talk to, you know, I get in touch with NVIDIA and they're like, yeah, we have a, a couple of the people on our team use home assistant. And so we yeah. saw that you were looking into this and we have some ideas that we would like to share. And it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like this is actually generally useful. Yeah, that's super cool. It's I and same, right? Like, I mean, I get pings all the time. Be like, hey, wait, are you are you the Rohan that does a podcast? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's the same one, right? It's it's, uh, it's pretty yeah. cool. It's uh, it's fun seeing how many users there are and how big the community is and stuff like that. It, yeah. it is it is honestly amazing. But so looking to the future now, you've got so we've just had chapter six of the voice, so the first chapter for this year. Do you have, what's the, do you have like a, a roadmap or a, a grand plan for this year or where in the next, so, do you five-year plan at Nebuchadnezzar? I don't know. Like. No. So we are actually, we, last year we, we started a product and design department and this year for the first time ever, we're actually making a roadmap. So yes, we have these opportunities listed and we have these, the goals and the North star and all that stuff. And it's not done yet. So once it's, um, once we know more, we want to present this, we're probably going to present this at the state of the open home, which by the way, we haven't even announced this yet, but the state of the open home will be this year on April 20. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So last year we didn't do it because generally we used to do it in November, around November, but we realized that it was too close to our birthday. So, you know, the birthday is always a big deal. Last year yeah. we announced the new logo, the green, and we realized that it's always so stressful. Like the birthday is over and we're like, okay, we have two months. Yeah. Now we need something, another big thing. And so we're like, you know, what if we just push it like six months 
we have our time. We can work on cool stuff. So that's what we're doing this year. The State of the Open Home will be really cool. I don't want to give away anything yet, um, but it's, there's going to be some big announcements that are going to be like, whoa. Um, that's cool. That's well, I mean, just the fact that there is going to be a, a roadmap, yeah. I assume that, yeah, you'll publish that and... Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. So yeah, we were talking about the roadmap. Yeah. So there's going to be at the state of the open home. There's going to be we want to look at the roadmap. We don't want to go too deep. As in, like this, you know, we have this. We we want to just give a general direction, just because sometimes priorities shift, and if things fall off the roadmap, people get angry. Right. Yeah. Yep. Hundred percent of roadmaps <laughs> always fail. All right. So yeah. So, I mean, but, it, I, you know, we believe also roadmaps are meant to change all the time, right? So yeah. the, the things we work on today is the things we're definitely working on. The things we work on next can change any minute, right? Like even based on a contribution, like local Wakeward uh, got contributed and we were like, okay, ESP Home, Mike Voice, like let's focus on getting this into ESP Home, make it as good as possible and let's polish it up so that the, the, it, it, the launch is great. And then other things just get pushed back. Yeah. And that's uh, that's how open source works, right? We need to remain flexible because cool stuff just needs to go out. That's uh, that's yeah. important. And and I mean, the community is also there to to supplement some of that too, right? Whether it's helping with some of those roadmap-y kind of items or or with other things, right? Just to make sure there's, the product is still moving forward yeah. as, as a whole. So. so last year we had, was it last year? The Homerson Green came out yes. and then we had the Homerson Yellow, the Homerson Blue. Any other hardware plans coming out of Nabucasa that you can talk about or should we, is, and to that point, is Nabucasa looking at doing more hardware or have you found like, or moving away from hardware? So we want to do some more hardware, but we also realize that when we release hardware, it just needs to work, right? I think with, um, and we, right. we, you know, it just puts more work than people think, right? It's not just like, hey, let's make a, a USB stick and it will work. Like, no, there's an antenna in that USB stick, right? Yeah. And, you know, for the for the Sky Connect, and we had this whole, you know, we included like an extension cable, and then yeah. we actually updated Home Assistant to allow changing channels in Zigbee and report if your channel is to utilize just because we see support requests coming in, for example, like, Hey, my sky connect doesn't work. And then it's like, Oh yes, because you pick the same channel as which Wi-Fi is on and that interferes a lot. Or you have a USB three SSD right next to your stick and that interferes. And so for us to launch hardware, we really want to make sure that everything around it is good just because, you know, when people come to support, yeah, like that is just not, uh, it's a waste of time. It's frustrating for users because they have to reach out to support. So we really, really want to avoid that. So we, when it comes to hubs, I think we're pretty good right now. We had the blue, the blue was an experiment. We have the yellow for the higher end people that want SSDs, that want to tinker, that want to have yep. uh, Zigbee uh, included. We have the green, which is really, okay, you have $100 here. You can start with Home Assistant, see if it's something for you, and you can then add the Sky Connect if you want to grow into that and kind of, go, you know, and eventually maybe you want to upgrade to yellow or maybe you want to just go to a virtual machine or whatever kind of craziness, right? And so it's really an entry level. I think hub-wise, that's kind of a good two segments that we have there. Yeah. I think, you know, the... the 
the one thing that we want to make sure with hardware, where we did with both the Home Assistant Yellow and the Home Assistant Sky Connect, our goal was to do both Zigbee and Thread at the same time. Right, and we announced that we're looking into this, and we relied on Silicon Labs for a as part of their SDK. Yeah. They offered this feature, and that didn't work out. Like that feature that didn't evolve fast yeah. enough. There were bugs, and it was closed source, so we couldn't fix it ourselves. And that's where made us really realize like we need to work with just stuff that we can fix ourselves. We cannot rely on other vendors, and so. You know, for example, we also said like now we don't recommend to run Zigbee and Thread at the same time. Use it for Zigbee, use it for Thread. And so I think I don't want to like tell any of our hardware plans yet because just we haven't committed to anything yeah. yet. But we want to make sure that it's not, that we, that we know the stack, that we can control the stack, that we can see and fix stuff. And yeah. Yeah. What were what were I mean? It sounds like that was a big lesson learned from the previous platforms as well. What were was was there any other kind of uh, cool lessons that you learned for any? Because I'm sure there's a lot of tinkerers out there that uh, that would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I think the you know the lesson we learned from the compute module for Home Assistant Yellow is that there are, I think 32 variants of the compute module four. Yeah. Some have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, some don't. There are ones with built-in uh, EMC space and some don't. Then you need an SSD. And so we have different tutorials and it's just too confusing for everyone, right? There's just yeah, yeah, yeah. people that are into this, they read up, sure. But people that just want a box to run Home Assistant are now installing an operating system on a CM4, which is even harder than on a Raspberry Pi 4 where you have an SD card, right? And so yeah. in a way, I would say compute modules for consumer use where they have to do things is too has been too hard. I think I would love to make that easier. There's an opportunity with Raspberry Pi 5 maybe, but I think for now the yellow should be fine with the CM4. Hopefully when the CM5 comes out, it also fits in the uh, yellow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's been kind of a takeaway. And I think um, you know generally when it comes to home system hardware, and this is the new rule we've set for ourselves, we just want to build the best hardware. Like when it is a... Zigbee stick, it just needs to be the best performing Zigbee stick. There shouldn't be a compromise in, oh, we're going to like save a few cents on like some smaller antenna or something. We just need to make sure that the stuff we put out works because in the end, people use these sticks with our software. So if it doesn't work, we're going to get the blame, right? So we need to, it's easier for Sonoff. Sonoff can put out a flaky Zigbee stick. And we generally get the blame because in Home Assistant, it says it doesn't work, right? So, right. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. That's uh, it's interesting to hear your take on those things. So, I think my final words would be just like, you know, I love the Home Assistant project. And I think our community is awesome. And I think that what we are doing here all together, um, creating technology, sharing solutions either in code or on the forums or on discord helping each other i think that's just a very unique situation that we've created for ourselves and i think that we we want to obviously continue with this we don't want to ruin this and we're working on this and i think that you know we we need to all cherish this right and i think we should all but it also takes efforts from everybody to keep working on this and keep yeah building the world that we want i think it's not a for you know it's not just because we want it, it gets there, right? It takes yeah. real yeah. effort, real work. But, you know, 
You guys do the podcast every two weeks, which helps share this knowledge, helps share, inform people. We're building code, sharing this every month helps people. There's always people active on videos, forum posts, everything. And it's just, that's what the community is. And that's what we need more of, right? We need to share this message to people. And we also need to make home system, for example, more accessible to those people, right? And it's not our goal to get everyone in the world on home assistant. I don't think that's realistic, but I think that uh, yeah. we can lower the bar to enter home assistant still a lot more without uh, giving up on like, you know, the coolness of home assistant, the flexibility will stay, but we can still make it more accessible. But I think as a community, we're doing amazing and I hope we can keep that up. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And Agreed. hats off to you for starting that community and keeping it going with that yeah. and getting it self-sufficient. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, Paulus, thank you so much. Um, let's not leave it another three years. Um, booking rooms, but, <laughs> no, definitely. I know, right? Uh, really appreciate you coming on, and yeah, looking forward to the roadmap coming out and everything coming out this year. It's going to be great. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Cheers. Thanks so much, Paulus. Take care. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H A S S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.